high drama, accusations of political skullduggery, resignations, and a febrile atmosphere at the heart of power. A Manchester councillor deflects to the Greens. This is the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. Hello, I'm Daryl Morris. Yoshi Herman is the editor of Manchester's quality newspaper delivered by email, The Mill. Yoshi, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Good to be back. Live and direct from uh, The Mill newsroom this week. From the newsroom. Danny's here, Jack's here, Liv is here helping us with the data. She's known as the data queen in the office. So yeah, we're, we're, all, um, we're all here. Good, excellent. You've got the full contingent. You've got the, the, the full support of your entire cabinet there, uh, Yoshi. There have been no resignations. <laughs> Not yet. Anyway, Not still yet. time. <laughs> still Not plenty yet. of time. Things move real fast. Um, um, okay, we've got lots and lots to get into on this week's episode. Uh, we'll brief you, of course, as ever, with everything that you need to know. But let's start in Westminster. It's been uh, an incredible week. Uh, resignations by the minute. A prime minister hanging on by a thread as it stands. Yoshi, where does this leave us in Greater Manchester? Well, I think what's really interesting, I mean, people who are listening to this podcast have probably been following the hour-by-hour coverage in Westminster. So I don't think we need to fill anyone in on that. But for me, it's just such an interesting thing that this government has been reduced to this. You know, it's like scandal after scandal after scandal. Nothing that they want to do with policy. If they really do have, like, big policy ideas, they're not coming through. They're not getting any focus or attention or time because there's just this constant scandal. And, you you know, we had the, the Patterson thing... We had loads of Partygate stuff. Now we've got this Chris Pincher thing. We've got all these resignations. And it's just, it, it's kind of sad in a way, whether you supported this government or not, and obviously a lot of our listeners won't have voted for the Conservative Party. Two and a half years ago, they won an election on quite a, with, with a bunch of radical promises about how they were going to level up the country. That What they were promising was kind of a real like re-envisioning of how, the government helps people. Boris Johnson, exactly three years ago, is in 2019, he came to the Science and Industry Museum in Manchester and he gave this big speech and he said, look, Manchester's growing fast, Manchester's doing well, but it's not so far away that you've got these towns and these communities that are not doing well, that are really struggling, where people really don't have the means to, to live a good and fulfilled life. And he said, like, that's not the fault of the people working there. That's the fault of us, the politicians. You know, we have failed. I I quote him from that speech. Time and again, they have voted for change, but for too long, politicians have failed to deliver on what is needed. Our plan now, this new government I'm leading, is to unite our country and and level up. That, That was only, you know, what was that, three years ago? And... Then we had the, the 2019 election that, offered, that delivered him a really large um, sort of mandate to do that. And now we're just like, we're three years later and it just hasn't happened, has it? We're now just watching a government that's a sort of a political show with all the rubbish gags and all the rubbish sort of, you know, hyperventilating MPs. And to, to me, it's just sad. And, and one of the resignations, you know, was a levelling up minister. We're recording this on Wednesday. I think listeners know that. Neil O'Brien, levelling up minister, hasn't been doing it for that long. He's resigned. So that's kind of, that's a real reminder of, of this trajectory. And, and today is the day, as we record, this week, the Leveling Up Fund closes. Last week's episode, we did a bit of a cutout and keep guide of what people had bid for, what councils had bid for. That was a central policy of this individual, this man's administration. If that administration is coming to an end, where does it leave that policy? Yeah, I mean, we think whether or not it comes to an end, this policy just has not 
come off, you know. There have been pots of money delivered for a new rail station here and a new, you know, revamp of the town hall or a new food market there. But we're talking about a totally unstrategic approach. Like all the experts agree, it has to be driven by giving more power to areas rather than just pots of cash. It needs to be much more strategic, linked up to where housing is going to be, where transport is going to be, what kind of industries do we want in different areas, an industrial strategy. The, the, the way they've chosen to do it is to get lots of councils to bid for money for particular projects, many of which that, that got money in the last round are not up and running yet because they didn't have that much thought behind them because there was this rushed sort of process. So it's such a shame, you know, like whoever you support, it's just such a shame that there was this moment of opportunity. There was this moment where the Conservatives said, we're going to care about more than just the Southeast. We're going to care about more than just middle-class people. And it's just come to, you know, the, the collapse of in, in, in the government that we've seen this week. Okay, there'll be more on that to come, and we'll keep an eye on that levelling up fund and, and what happens, and uh, that sort of politics of Westminster impacts on policies like that that affect lives in Greater Manchester. Um, uh, all the while, whilst the attention is on Tory resignations in Westminster, Yoshi, a not insignificant Labour councillor resigned in Manchester this week. Who is this and why? Yeah, slightly different um, level of politics, isn't it, to, to the Westminster stuff. We're talking about a councillor from Hume called Equa uh, Bayunu. She... Has, is on the left of the Labour Party in Manchester, or she was until she defected last week to the Green Party. She um, defected in a kind of blaze of accusations against the Labour group that runs Manchester. We've talked on this podcast before about the idea that the Labour group in Manchester is too secretive, it's too um, hierarchical, it has internal kind of processes about punishing people for saying various things that are not at all transparent. We've talked about that before. That they, they are some of the concerns that she's raising. They match concerns that were raised by another black councillor who quit Labour, not this time to defect, but just to get out of local politics. That was Marcia Hutchinson not so long ago. But Equa is saying things like, there's no time for bullying and name calling and bringing up old histories. We needed to be working together. She felt that that wasn't happening. And I think she pointed specifically to the legacy of Sir Richard Lees and the way that his administration ran Manchester, which was very pragmatic, very about getting results and getting economic growth. But perhaps did that at the cost of some sort of democratic accountability. And, 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 and it did it in a way where it's felt that the internal mechanisms of the Labour group in Manchester have, have disincentivized local councillors from raising concerns, from debating policy in public, from really talking about what they really think about the, what the council is doing. So it's really sort of a, a question now is, the, will the new leader, Bev Craig, the new leader of Manchester, Manchester City Council, will she change that culture? What will be the effects of that? And also, interestingly, now the Greens have got three councillors because of this defection. They're now the official opposition. How will that change the dynamic? They're still massively outweighed by, by how many uh, Labour there are. I think there are three Greens and about 90 um, Labour councillors. But still, they're the new opposition. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Manchester councillor Pat Carney, as ever on hand with a statement, always at the end of the phone, Pat Carney. What has he said in response? He, he, he gave a quote in response, didn't he? Well, Pat Carney, who's the secretary of the Labour Group and who has been the subject of some of these criticisms from Equa Bayuni and from Marcia Hutchinson, you know, he did did a kind of pointed tweet um, saying, you know, uh, we've got two really hardworking councillors in Hume, you know, pointing out that that she was not one of them anymore. And he's clearly unhappy with the way that she's left and she's clearly unhappy with the way he runs the Labour Group. So we'll keep an eye on what happens next with that. 
Okay, that's your resignation roundup for this week on the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. Let's move on to a story that you might have seen in the news. Last Friday, 10 young men from Moston, aged between 18 and 21, were jailed for between 8 and 21 years for conspiracy to commit grievous bodily harm or murder. The jury in that case found that they had plotted to avenge the murder of one of their friends. Now, in response to that, Lucy Powell, Labour MP for Manchester Central, has written to the Justice Secretary, Dominic Raab, to raise concerns about black youths in Greater Manchester being unfairly portrayed as part of a gang narrative because of who they know and music they like. She points to this and another case in Greater Manchester as being an example of that, right, Yoshi? That's right. The concern here is that some black young men have been jailed simply for taking part in a group chat. Now, some of the defendants in these cases that we're talking about, and you can read lots of detail about them in Helen Pitt's pieces on the, in the, on the Guardian over the weekend, but some of the people involved did go on to commit violence. But there are also some in this group who did not, and who have effectively been given really long sentences for sending messages. And that's the thing that's really ignited public anger. That's been the focus of activism from the Kids of of Colour group that's been very vocal about pointing this case and saying, how can it be that young people who have just lost a friend. This is Alexander John uh, Soyoya, who was killed in, in 2020. How can these people who were just talking about something online uh, with each other, how can they have been brought into a conspiracy charge when most of them weren't involved in any criminality subsequently? I think it raises some like really big legal questions. It raises some questions that are a little bit similar to the joint enterprise laws, which have been used to convict young men in Moss Side. They've been used to convict a big group of young men in, in, in London in 2015. I wrote for The Independent a big case about a, a guy called Sofian Balamuadin, who was killed, but a lot of people who were convicted of his murder were not actually at the scene. They had run, run off down a side street or they were 20 yards away. But because they had this sort of joint enterprise in common that they were going to go and have this fight with him and his friends, they all got pulled into it. I actually spoke to Keir Starmer about that case when he wasn't leader of the Labour Party. He had just finished as as the chief prosecutor. And, And he said, you know, he raised concerns about the use of joint enterprise. What we're talking about here is not joint enterprise. It's guilt by association, effectively. These young people being portrayed as if they are in a gang because they're in a group chat, um, you know, letting off steam, saying stupid stuff, and actually perhaps not stuff that they were ever planning to act out. So we're talking about a telegram group. We're talking about these these young men talking one day after Soyoye was murdered and weeks before any violence was actually carried out by, by some of the defendants in this trial, although not all of them. So as I say, it's a complex one. Helen Pidd's done some good stuff in The Guardian about it. Jack Delhanty is going to do a piece for the mill, particularly about the media angle, because there's a lot of anger about how the MEN framed this trial, um, which you might have seen a bit of that on Twitter. So we're going to be covering it. There's some really good stuff out there. It's clearly a difficult case, and it might lead to a bit of a legal discussion about how the kind of dragnet of guilt by association can bring people into these conspiracy charges. 
Right. Well, right, really fascinating. Uh, worth keeping an eye on the mill for Jack's piece on that. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you go to read and subscribe to the mill. Um, and elsewhere this week, Yoshi, it, it seems like somebody somewhere around Piccadilly Gardens is trolling you, my friend. Uh, they are regular listener, clearly, to the Manchester Weekly and have decided to um, <laughs> to, to really upset you with some new containers. What is this in, in Piccadilly Gardens? It's unbelievable. Regular listeners will know that I've got a particular campaign against this basically closing of a large part of Piccadilly Gardens for commercial uses. So they only use this sort of platform bar event area like once every few weeks or once a month or whatever. So, you know, I, I get annoyed about it. But so because people know I'm so annoyed about it, they've been tweeting these images to me of these monstrous um, shipping containers that have now appeared before the women's Euros. They look terrible. They're not even painted. They kind of, they look like they've just come off, off a boat from, you know, from Beirut or something like, you know, tr- carrying whatever, carrying, carrying, um, you know, food in them or something. They've got rust all over them. They've got like branding from whatever the shipping company was that they used to be part of. They look absolutely awful. Um, they've been brought into the Piccadilly Gardens. I asked, you know, after I got a few tweets, I asked the council. And, you know, someone at the council actually admitted, yeah, this has caught us a bit unawares as well. But then eventually we got a statement from John Hacking, who's the, the council's executive member for employment and leisure. Sounds like a good job. He said... We're working to develop the space um, at Piccadilly Gardens for, for the women's Euros. Although, by the way, I think the state of the shipping containers is like an insult to the women's Euros, to be honest. And then he said, um, quote, The beginning of the build is now visible at the event space in the gardens and will undergo planting and dressing ahead of the Euros competition. Okay, So maybe that's happened, actually. I didn't look today. I walked past it. I didn't look. Then he said, actually, I don't know how much detail people want. Then he said... There is the potential for the event structure to be retained for the events program that is being developed for the coming months, including Christmas this year. So I think that's further confirmation that they want to keep all this like horrible building site that they've basically put in the middle of a public space for months to come. And then he says, in mitigation, using Piccadilly Garden space positively through activity and events is already reducing some of the more problematic antisocial behaviour in the area, which, like, since they haven't provided any evidence... Any data could either be true or not true. Frankly, I wouldn't take anyone's in the council's word for that. But yeah, just more ugliness, more chaos, and more use of public space that I think that's really um, inappropriate. It does look like they've tried to sort of replicate the Escape to Freight Island kind of vibe, but with with just actual freight containers that they just pulled off a ship without any of the consider without washing any of them down. Even <laughs> it does look pretty terrible, doesn't it? And uh, you know what? I mock you. I mock you, Yoshi, for your obsession with Piccadilly Gardens. But it's an important point, my friend. The themes are relevant. The themes are important, and I uh, I salute you for your tireless campaign to keep an eye on that very important piece of public space. Uh, any developments? You'll hear them here first on the Manchester Weekly. From the mill. Um, okay, that's almost it from us for this week. We'll get you some nods in a sec. What else is going on though, Yoshi? Uh, sort of in, in the next coming, apart from keeping an eye studiously on Piccadilly Gardens, what else are you working on in the mill newsroom right now? Well, excitingly, this is the first week that Sophie did three days with us. So she's moving from doing two days a week to three days a week. So that's a big step forward for us. Sophie's our senior editor. She does a lot of our culture stuff. She's actually the one who reads a lot of our stories and, and, and edits them when, when I'm not doing it. So that's a big win for us. 
Um, plus, we've got Olivia in who was doing a bit of work with us as a student at the University of Manchester data work on a, on a particular story about homelessness. She's actually come in a, a couple of days a week for the, for this month to help out with data, a bit of commercial work, helping us with our growth. So uh, it was very busy actually yesterday in the office. Uh, when Harry came in, he couldn't even sit down. There wasn't even a desk because we're so busy in here. But it's very nice to have the whole the whole team um, whirring away and, and doing interesting work. Very good. Very, very nice. Also, an interesting piece about low traffic neighbourhoods on the horizon as well that you can read on the mill, but also hear about on the Manchester Weekly. This Sunday, we're going to be hearing all about low traffic neighbourhoods, what they're about, how they work, whether they work. Yeah, and why they cause so much controversy. And actually, while we're talking about stories on the mill, we got our first ever member who said that they've come across the mill via the podcast recently and that they had signed up to become a member and I think it was after we did the whole thing I, I think when you were away we did a whole thing saying look if you like this kind of journalism and you want to support it and you want to help us out you know do become a paying subscriber and I guess yeah re- reiterate that message really because this podcast is also part of the mill's output and it's based on the journalism in the mill and the journalism in the mill it can only happen with you know, having lots more paying subscribers. I think we just got to 1,400 and we'd love to get to 1,500 this summer. That would get us on financial track. And like basically every new subscriber we get means we can do more reporting, bring in more freelancers, pay for more reporting trips and stuff. So if you're if you're keen to help us out and you want to get two extra editions of The Mill every week, manchestermill.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Beautifully said. I second that. All right, Yoshi, what's going on around Greater Manchester this weekend? Before we go, things to do about and about. What's happening? Well, obviously, you should head down to Piccadilly Gardens for this Women's Euros event um, <laughs> on this on this dreaded... They, they, are, they are showing the Women's Euros set. The only redeeming feature of this whole monstrosity in Piccadilly Gardens is that, you, you know, they are showing the Women's Euros. So um, that's also, you know, hopefully all the pubs will be showing as well. Hopefully people get really into it. And a lot of the games are in Manchester, actually. I think... Some of them are at Old Trafford, and some of them are in um, in Wigan. You're you're neck or almost your neck of the woods, Lee. Um, How dare I, I, you? How dare you? Never to, never tell somebody from Bolton that Wigan sorry. is their neck of the woods. Sorry. How dare you? Well, it is sort of the same <laughs> general direction. Anyway, some of the games are happening at, um, in Lee, and actually, you can get tickets online. So they're not all booked out. I looked the other day, so that's one recommendation for the weekend because that's kicking off. It's kicked off this week, and it's, there's going to be loads of games this weekend. My other one is very contrasting, but Manchester Baroque, this group that are really cool, like they like use like old school instruments to play Bach and like Vivaldi and Handel. They have got a concert on Saturday night at seven o'clock in St. Anne's Church. It might be 7.30 around that time. And it's a recreation of the first ever series of public concerts in Manchester. So we're talking like almost 300 years ago. They found evidence in the archives of all these concerts that were given including Handel music including uh, other Baroque music I think Vivaldi might have been involved Corelli certainly so they, they're recreating those concerts now this group using old instruments with all these like old music experts they're doing it in St Anne's Church on Saturday so I've got a friend visiting when we're going to pop in for a bit and um, one of our members actually Mike Emmerich is is, is a, a big part of the of the group and, and, and helps organise it and stuff so yeah be nice if a few listeners want to come down because it's kind of a it's, it'd be a lovely performance, but also it's like a kind of 
bit of Manchester's history that they're reviving. Yeah, beautiful. What a really nice idea. Uh, and speaking of reviving a bit of Manchester's musical history, a bit more contemporary, but Hacienda Classical is back as well this weekend. That's my pick for you. Uh, Friday night in Castlefield Bowl. There are still tickets available, by the way. So if you're listening to this right now and it's before the weekend, uh, still a chance for you to be there. A Hacienda, sort of proper old school Hacienda classics with a big orchestra behind them. It's really special, actually, if you haven't seen that before. It's become kind of iconic in itself. They've been doing it for a few years now and it's really worth seeing. And also, this weekend is a foodie festival at Tatton Park all weekend. Loads of food stalls and chefs and stuff, if that's your thing. If you've got a couple of hours to spare and you fancy getting down there, big food markets. Also bands, not quite. I mean, Top Loader's going to be there. Uh, Lee and Simon from Blue and East 17 and S Club All Stars, which apparently is Joe Bradley from S Club 7 and Stacey from S Club Juniors. So a bit of a gear change uh, there perhaps, from other recommendations. Uh, But the food festival itself, really worth getting down to at Town Park. Um, Okay, that's it from us for this week. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment as well. Help other people find the podcast and the mill's brilliant journalism. You can subscribe, as Yoshi says, to keep us going, to keep Yoshi going, to keep this brilliant enterprise on the road. ManchesterMill.co.uk is how you do that. We're back in your podcast feed on Sunday.